to Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a pint. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Oh, wait, that's my turn. <laughs> I can't multitask. Here we go. Here we go. I got it. I got it. Got it. Craft Beer Cellar, that is C-E-L-L-A-R, a family of retail craft beer stores. Focus on amazing beer, hospitality, and education. 23 locations in 11 states across the country. Hit them up at craftbeercellar.com for a see if there's a store near you. That's Craft Beer, C-E-L-L-A-R. I feel people get it by now. Do I have to keep spelling it, or you think people have cut on by now? I'll, We've I'll, got it. Okay, craftbeercellar.com. Um, see if there's a store near you, like 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 here in uh, the New England area, um, up in Newburyport. There's a store in Amesbury, and um, when hear what we're drinking tonight, I'll share you share, share something new I got from them. And um, any word yet on when the store is coming to you in Grand Rapids, there, Brian? Or it just I'm hoping over the summer. All right. So uh, they're opening stores all over the place. Um, check them out and you can win some free beer from them through us. We'll tell you how to do that in a second. Absolutely. You can join the conversation a couple of ways on Twitter. Follow at Pub Theology and use hashtag PT Live. And on Facebook, you can comment at Facebook.com slash Pub Theology. Now, the best comments of the month will be in the running to win a gift certificate from Craft Beer Cellar. So if you respond to our conversation with something wise, witty, or some other word that starts with W, we might consider uh, your comment. And the competition is high this month. Just saying. Exactly. you got You got to compete. You can watch, watch us live every Tuesday at 9 o'clock Eastern Time at pubtheology.com. And you can listen anytime at soundcloud.com slash pubtheologylive. And, and, and we discuss Stitcher. Oh, we're oh, on Stitcher. And, we got to plug Stitcher. Yes. And now we're on Stitcher. You can listen to previous episodes on Stitcher. And iTunes. Podcast. Are we not on iTunes as well? Uh, we're very soon coming to iTunes. Oh, not there yet. My bad. Rewind. <laughs> That can but take yes. up to two weeks. I'm still waiting. And there. and for for some of us other like uh, Android users, um, I use I use a I use a podcast app called Podcaster. Is that what it's called? Ooh, I should look that up because because we're on there too. Like you just got to search us. Basically, if you search us on any podcast, Pocket Cast. That's the one I listen to. Pocket Cast. Maybe get them to be a sponsor. Pocket Cast is the app that I use to listen to my podcasts and. Um, we're on there too. If you look up Pub Theology Live, so many different ways to listen to us. Tell tell your friends. Exactly. the The broader point is, it's pretty much hard to avoid us these days. So please tune in. Tonight we discuss who is God and why does it matter. How should we read the Bible? And does everyone eventually receive salvation? We might also sneak in some final four picks and our favorite book. Bec- favorite breakfast spot so keep listening well welcome uh tina ogan and i'm brian and what are we drinking tonight um who's going first go tina are you sure lady we'll let the lady lady go first tonight (laughs) um i'm drinking a malbec it's by handcraft um and to be honest with you i'm not i'm not real fond of it not very good not feeling it ring an endorsement well it's i i think it's um it's a 2013, and it, to me, it just tastes like it's past its prime. But. Oh. Well, sorry. Yeah. Our condolences. 
<laughs> it's, it's an uneventful night for me. But you're going to drink it anyways, aren't you? Uh, of course. Of course. <laughs> And Ogan, what do you got? Yeah, my good, good, good wine go to waste. Um, another new experiment with a beer. This is from Carnado Brewing Company. This is an Orange Avenue Wit. It's a Wit beer. Picked this one up from uh, my local craft beer seller the other day. Um, let's see, what do we got here? Um, orange zest, coriander, and honey. Sounds good. Let's see what it tastes like. Mmm, 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 mmm. Yes. Ring an endorsement. I like it. I like it. I like it. It's not, it's not, you know, I'm not a big hoppy beer fan. So there's, there's no real hop on here. Definitely, definitely feeling the orange zest and some spices in there. I like this. It's a, you know, this will go really nice on like a nice warm spring afternoon right now it is cold and rainy it is yeah spring's rolling in up here in new england so it is just icky weather all day long but but this just brought me a little sunshine so there we go it's 70 here Ogan. just so you know what it's 70 degrees here that's what i didn't ask that's why i didn't ask (laughs) brian what are you drinking whoa ouch i am drinking a starburst wheat it's a hoppy wheat beer from saugatuck brewing Cool art there. That is cool. Absolutely. Get all fancy opening uh, there. I gotta get me a yeah, mic stand because I gotta hold the mic with one hand. I can't. I can't. Do I it. got. I got a mic stand working. Got to do that. Just don't spill beer on the mic. No, we can't do that. We'll get one of those exactly. like, ones that clip to the desk, and I could do the whole pull down thing. <clears throat> all right so our question to kick us off tonight is what is your favorite local breakfast place and if you don't have a good answer to that maybe your favorite breakfast dish to get when you're out um does my own kitchen count or what because i only just usually eat breakfast but there's a there's a nice diner down here in newburyport um called angie's and they got some good stuff but for me i am really about just cooking breakfast at home. Yeah, what do you like to cook? Uh, this is an invitation for your usual answer. Um, <laughs> walk, walked right into that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> eggs. Uh, honestly, honestly, interestingly enough, as much as I always go on about bacon, I do not cook bacon at home. I really, oh. or very rarely do I, simply because, I mean, let's face it, it tastes really good, but it ain't that good for you. I'll be the first to admit it. So I restrict my bacon consumption to when I am out. I think that's how I can meet, uh, you know, find a happy medium between enjoying the food I love, but not killing myself at the same time. Mm-hmm. How about you, Brian? Exactly. Well, we have a special guest joining us. It sounds like. <laughs> oh, that's that's my daughter arriving home, and it sounds like she might have forgotten her key. So. Uh, you guys do the breakfast thing. I'm going to go open the door for her. <laughs> There's nothing radio when this happens. Drama in the holder. Yeah. Right you back. know, it's always a, it's always a, uh, a balance between do I want to go for something like uh, hotcakes and sausage or do I want like a, a good veggie uh, omelet uh, with, you know, as much as they can put in it and then some hot sauce and uh, – yeah, maybe some bacon. I'm a big one for how do you feel after you eat those hotcakes. <laughs> yeah, not good. Yeah. Um, Which is a, why I usually lean toward the omelet. 
Do you have a favorite place around your house that you go to? Uh, there's a small diner that's on the south side that we've been to a few times. It's okay, but um, there's one just south of us, too, uh, in Saugatuck, a place called Monroe's. And they've got, you know, Marilyn Monroe art all over the walls. And uh, that's a fun little fun little breakfast and lunch spot. And it's near the water, so that's cool. Yeah. I like silver diners. Yeah, you ever been to a silver diner? Is that the one that they're like organic food? Yes. And, oh, I love silver diners. Yes. Yes. Oh. I haven't I been there. For there, uh, when when I lived in the D.C. area, there were a couple around, and um, a few years ago they revamped the whole menu, so it's all like you know locally grown stuff, organic or free range. Um, really really nice food and it became that much more popular because of it so anytime i'm traveling and i can find a silver diner i am there brian if you go back to dc to visit you've got to try one they're really good yeah where was there one in dc uh Ogan, you know um well the ones i went to were up on the maryland side so i know there's one in uh like the bethesda area but i'm sure okay. they're scattered all over around there's probably one in silver spring uh I was in Jersey a couple months ago, and there was one where I was. So, yeah, they're all over. If you're flying, if you're flying in, do you fly in a BWI? There's one. I, I fly in there, but usually I fly into National. Actually, there's one in BWI. If you fly in a BWI, there's the Silver Diner in the airport. So nice. You should you should check that out next time. I should check that out. I'd yeah. go for the. Do they have a good omelet, veggie omelet. They have good everything. Seriously, there's nothing bad on on the menu. And the fact that it's actually healthier grown food is, um, I think, a plus. Because, you know, there's we always put in stuff in our bodies. We don't know how many hormones we've ingested from animals over the years. Um, right. So now that we can put more focus on that, it's, uh, it's, it's anytime we can get that, I think we could. Yeah. Nice. All right, so uh, Selection Sunday was this past Sunday, and they picked the uh, 64 plus a couple extra teams for the uh, March Madness tournament. Have you filled out a bracket yet, any any of you? Uh, I, I have not got the chance to fill out a bracket, but I'm, I'm just going to Kansas to win it all, and then I'll work my way back from there. Boom. Wow. Okay. I, I did fill one out today, and I also went with the Jayhawks against – a local team, the Michigan State Spartans. Um, I, but they're, the Spartans are like one of the arch rivals of my team, the Michigan Wolverines. Because I, so I, I lived in the Kansas City area, got a little bit of um, built-in fandom yeah. to Kansas. But I also lived in, in you know the Raleigh area, so you know, anytime Duke or UNC is up there, kind of lean towards them again. But I'm, I'm glad to see Kansas is playing some really good basketball. A little rock chalk Jayhawk. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. I, I think I've seen it on a commercial. Yeah, it's their, you know, it's their, it's their cry. Their, 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 their my nerve, my, the reason I'm always nervous with picking Kansas is they've historically had really good teams and they've blown it. Well, I mean, so, so that's part of the, that's part of, I think, the whole excitement slash, um, 
needs to improve about the whole Final Four. I don't believe any sporting competition should come down to like one game. I mean, the whole thing, one game, you're out. Granted, <laughs> you get through the whole tournament in a few weeks as opposed to the NBA where, you know, the playoffs, yeah. you know, lasts like the whole year, it feels like. It's like a second se- it's like a second regular season. It, it kind of is. I mean, when you got every level, it's best of seven games. When some of them go seven games, it takes forever. So I like that you get through March Madness really quickly. But it's like, you know, every every team is going to have a bad day. Really great teams will kind of have bad days. And when you have like a best of five or even a best of three, you have the chance to get over your bad day. So Do you know I think how long it would be if you did that, though? Well, if you did like a best of three, you couldn't start with 64 teams that that would, you know, that would just take way too long. You know, I mean, the NBA playoffs last a couple of months and they they start with 16 teams. Uh, right. You know, and two conferences. it's a different animal. It, it is. It is a different animal. And plus, you know, again, I I this is this is involved. I would get in college sports because on principle, I don't believe it's fair, even ethical to be for uh universities coaches uh to be making this much money off the back of students and they're not getting paid so that's right. that, that's my ethical opposition to college sports but yet you still participate well like i said this is my, like i i kind of get on get board off the soapbox with 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 final four don't judge me <laughs> don't judge me Get off your box. All right. Well, we're going to move to something uh, a little more substantive. Uh, Philip Gully says... I'm sorry. Are you saying our... Final Four is not substantive? Boy, you yes. can get yourself in trouble. Yes, he is. Keep going, Ben. <laughs> All right. Wow. Philip Gully says, Gracious religion is convinced that in the end, every person will recognize the truth that we are loved and created to love. We shall all know this truth, and this truth shall set us free. So what do you think about that? Is he, you agree with that? Is he overstating it? Uh, you have some other view? Fire away. I like the last part, the second part. We are loved and created to love. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. We are loved, we are created to love. At our essence, we are love. I yeah. don't believe that every person is going to recognize that in their lifetime. Did he uh, say in, in our lifetime? Well, what do you he mean says by in end? the end? That's what the question. What does he mean by in the end? I'm defining the end. How are you defining the end? I'm defining the end that after we die, we, re- we recognize it. We realize it. But that's not the end. That's, that's a new beginning. You have to have an end wow. to have a new beginning, Ogan. Right. So the end of our life, that's what I'm saying. When when we die, by the time we die, I don't believe every one of us will get. OK, so it's the split second between life and death that he's talking about. Is that better? Well, no, I mean, I, no, I think that I, think I don't think everyone's going to get that. A lot of people die in fear. Let Brian talk. You're right. Well, I think Tina's I think either one of you are could be interpreting what he's saying correctly. We don't know what he means by in the end. But so the question is. Let's look at those two options. A, let's say he's saying that in their lifetime, as Ogan is saying, everyone will come to this uh, knowledge of that we are loved and created to love. Or B, as Tina said, could be talking about after we die um, and in some uh, interim state, we're given an opportunity to 
um, connect and know love and God and connection, um, that there's sort of an inner interim stage. I hate to use the word purgatory because that's loaded with lots of connotations, but something analogous to that. Um, I I will I will concede that point to Tina that in that in in if if there is a place or a realization phase after these bodies have stopped working and we whatever you believe about afterlife um, that we are still sentient as in maybe we know who we are we have some intellect or whatever that yes right. I think when we get to that place there'll be the realization that we are love. Um, and do you still have your own volition, your own free will after you die is a good question. That is a good, that is a good question. I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that. I, I, I believe on some level, my, my belief right now is that the, the essence of who we are that is eternal, that is divine, kind of, you know, fully rejoins the oneness of it all, the, you know, that, that God, if you will. So there really is no delineation, separation, no. Um, but I also fully admit that I could be 100% wrong about this and that I don't know anything I'm talking about. But, but Ogan, I mean, let's say that you, you are right. Then if that's the case, what is the purpose of all this? Can we just stop the sentence as, let's say I'm right? Can we just, that's that's a good No, no. and when I wrote up the quotes from this, that will not <laughs> be mentioned. I think... <laughs> But here's the thing. I think that's a. I think that's the wrong question to ask. What is the point of this? Why? Why is that a wrong question to ask? Because it. I, that's an unanswerable question. I think if we are asking what the point of this is, that means that we're saying that there is some definitive meaning, and that's the point. I think the point of this is what we choose it to be. But um, if we're all going back to the same place, and we're not going to have any attachment to who we were or any emotions or anything, then what was the whole point of living this life? To experience it for lack of a better term, or as I like to say, as I like to say, to make the divine, make the divine real as in the physical. That's what I think is the point. If there is a point, but I don't believe there's a point. I don't believe there has to be a point. Why does it have to be a point? Why can't we just exist you know, and as Jesus said, love God with our whole heart, mind, and soul, love each other as we love ourselves. Isn't that good enough? Why do we have to have some big picture, umbrella, definitive meaning for the point of it? Can we just sit in the unknown and be okay with that? Not to get all Buddhist. Yeah, stuff. Tina, can you say, Tina, can you say a little more about uh, what's prompting you to say what's the point? Uh, is that well, I guess it, like, if when, everyone comes to the same place, is that your question? No, no, no. If, if what Ogun was saying is we, we all go back to the divine and we lose our identity, we lose any, you know, emotions, any humanity that we had, any personality we had, what is the point of having that, the whole experience of coming to earth and having all that in the first place? If we lose our sense of self. Yeah, like if we if we die and we lose any sense of separation from the divine, any sense of self, what was the whole point of coming down here to begin with? See, it's an unanswerable question. It is, yeah, that's a toughie. So Sorry. why I don't like to ask. <laughs> I, I don't hold question. that view uh, necessarily. So I, I and how and here's the thing: would if we knew what if there was a point and we knew what it was, would we live differently? 
Yeah, because I think a lot of people think they know the point and they live according to it. Okay. So if we knew that there, this was the point of us being here, whatever the fill in the blank this is, and um, are we are we compelled to live that way? Does it take away our free will if we don't live according to that point? You know, what did, did we miss something? What's going to happen? Are we rejoining the collectiveness that is God or are we, you know, banished somewhere else? For me, the whole idea of there needs to be a definitive point is what happens then if we don't live up and measure to that? And who's going to decide that? And then we've got the whole judgment thing going on. And that's not really how I understand God. But what do you think then? You said you don't think everyone comes to this place of knowing uh, truth or knowing God by the end of their lives. Well, uh, what's the, what's the result? Knowing that we are loved and created to love. There are many people who live the entire life to the point of their death from a place of fear. You know, right. afraid the whole time they're alive, they're afraid to die. They're afraid at the point of their death. Um, so I believe that not everyone will get to that point of realization that, that they're love. I agree. As a human being, I totally agree with you. All right. I agree with that also. So how about that? So how about Tina that? agreed with me and I agreed with Tina. We're off to a great start. We're only like 20 minutes in. <laughs> Question though, do you think, uh, is, is this the most important truth for people to discover in their lives that they are loved and created to love? I would or say, is there some other greater truth? I would say yes, because when, I think when we get that, we 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 treat ourselves differently. We treat everybody else differently. That's why I think, you know, again, when Jesus was asked, "What is the greatest commandment?" That's what he boiled them down to: those two: love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. The two, all all the commandments, all the ways we should live, he boiled down to two, and they both had to do with love. So, sticking with love. Let sticking love with love. As Lenny Kravitz saying. Well, or as uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, sticking with love because hate is too great a burden to bear. And so is fear. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, living from fear is not fun either. I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, and I, I mean, I like this quote in terms of, I like this idea that um, a truth that will set us free is knowing that we are loved in the end or underneath everything, right? That we're loved and that we're created to love. Because I think you're right. We are driven by uh, not accepting ourselves, not feeling that we're accepted, not feeling like we measure up in our community or with God or with our, you know, our friends. And so we always live from this place of lack. And if there was just this understanding that at the base of everything, you are accepted, you are accepted, period. No qualifiers, no nothing else. I mean, how huge would that be? But we layer a lot of qualifiers on top of getting to that place of being loved and created to love, including certain theological views. Like, well, first you have to say certain theological lines. First you have to pray a prayer. You have to believe uh, Jesus' death on the cross meant X, Y, and Z in that order and only in that order or, you know, what, what have you. Uh, so I think we make it more complicated, honestly, than than Jesus made it, as you said. I like how you said that, too, because I think we have easier lives when we realize that we are loved and accepted as we are. And we come from a place of love when we when we make our decisions and live our lives. I mean, I'm not saying our lives are easier. Like, I'm not saying that they're a piece of cake. I'm just saying that 
But I do believe they get I do believe they get easier when we live from from love, our lives do become easier because we we worry a lot less or priorities shift immensely. I think we find a place of of contentment um, much more simply. We 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 desire less, we want less, we accumulate less. I think we simplify. Um, because we get a better sense of what's really important, you know, relationships and compassion. And stuff still happens. Unexpected things still happen. But when you come from a place of love, you can handle them a lot better. Exactly. And this will be we need we need some more of that in our you know political discourse now. And, you know, right. shout out, shout out to shout out no to, to Brian, who is just unhappy that we're doing this on a Super Tuesday night. He's he's struggling to. You know, not not break away. Are results rolling in yet? I know you. I know. So, you, no, don't talk to me about results. I just want to be. I want to be unpleasantly surprised. Exactly. <laughs> it hits ten o'clock, and we are going to the after show. And we're talking about politics. Yeah, we're not fooling around. We're going right to after show, and I'm going right to the whiskey. Oh. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me that. I didn't get whiskey. <laughs> definitely, definitely be ready. Cam- ready. Cameras running for that. I think you know. I think we should. I think we should um, not for a Super Tuesday, but definitely like on election yeah. or something. Yeah. You know, have this running well. Well, the election we're going to be live election night, and people are going to be tuning in. That would be so fun. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. All right, there you go. Plan plan made. Right. Boom. All right, are we are we are we moving on? Are we still? You know, I'm going to totally change the plan when we actually get to election night. Oh, of yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody ever takes me seriously. Uh, I'm holding my breath. <laughs> all right. So, okay. So here's one more, one more potential beef with this quote. He says, gracious religion is convinced that in the end, every person will recognize the truth. So is he saying, is there something that's sort of, uh, imperialistic about that quote? Like, well, everybody's going to come to this place that I think is the place they should all come to. And my view is the right view. Do you sense any of that in there? When the fact that he says gracious religion comes to that conclusion, what does he consider other religion? Ah, uh, well, yeah, he's he's con- he's contrasting it with ungracious religion, the ungracious uh, kind. But I think when you look at all the religions, regardless of if they're you know quote unquote gracious or ungracious or whatever, I think ultimately yeah. when you get into them, you know, God, the divine, is identified as love. You know, even the even religions or or you know movements that might say you know follow the commandments or you're burning in hell. There's still the premise that God is God is a loving God. He might be a you know judgmental fickle, but there's love there as well. So I think I think every religion purports that in some way, shape, or form that the divine is in some way love or love in. So I yeah. don't. You know, I don't. I don't think he's saying it's my. This is just my way, and you need to believe my way. I think. All, I think all the ways, all the paths to God, have have that as their uh, core message. Because that's your way, Ovin. Ooh, uh, someone. Did I just say? no? I'm serious. I'm. I would not. I would not identify myself um, as anything other than what I am. And you thought Christian, but, but in when you, so here's, here's an example. So like the golden rule, some version of the golden rule, which I think is rooted in the idea of loving ourselves and loving other people 
do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There's an underlying sense of love and compassion. Some version of that is present in all the all the religions. So it's not just mine okay. there. You know, Brian, some of those same religions condemn other people. Yeah. Brian, did you, we had a message from somebody? Yes. So Tim on Facebook, in response to who is in your final four, says his <laughs> final four is Trump, Clinton, Cruz, and Sanders. <laughs> nice. Bada bing. Nice. Thank jot you, that Tim. one. Jot, jot that one down as entry for the. Uh, yeah. The beer. Exactly. Exactly. But you see, okay, not to not to jump ahead, but I think that question is ultimately tied to the who is God, because yeah. Of, uh, you know, and, the final four <laughs> in the political race. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that too. <laughs> that, that too. No, go, no, that's a, you're a great, and maybe that is a good transition. Let's let's roll with it. Uh, and even even Tina's question about what's the point of it all, I think that ultimately ties in and stems from you know each of our respective and personal ideas, interpretations about about God. To ask the question, what is the point of it all, maybe implies, and, you know, I may be speaking um, um, incorrectly for you, Tina, as I've been wont to do, but maybe the question of what's the point of it all assumes that there is God who has created a point to this, that God has something intention in mind to say, this is why I've created, this is why you are here, and, you know, whether you have to meet that standard or not. You know, so so it implies it implies that, and my my idea of God is not um, one that has created for a point. I'm still learning to live in the moment. Can you tell? I wow, tell there's you. no point. So there is no point to the creation. That that's your view. My my view is that creation was the point. <laughs> Why? Uh, okay, that's different. Thank you. I mean that that it it is it is in and of itself the thing creation boom. Why does there need to be a why? Because mm. we are human beings. We want, we want answers. We want meaning. We want. It's Help gone. me out, Brian. But I mean, what? Why would creation be the point? Okay. There's here it is. There's a bunch of people. Let them run around. I, it, again, I feel like a science experiment. Well, there is that element, uh, but you know, I mean, let's 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 talk. I I mean, I I guess my my understanding is God is a source of of life and love, and that creation is an overflow of the love that is at the essence of God's being. And so, I so I think, yeah, was there a point or not? I think the point was for that love to be expressed and shared. And experienced by everyone who and is a part of creation. So again, back to that, um, how it relates to how we understand God. Implicit in that is the idea that God stands apart from creation, and God created. What if, what if God, rather than stands apart from creation and created, what if God was the actual? Um, the actual energy of creation itself, the 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 force of creation that is still creating, but not not apart from it. 
is that kind of makes sense? So that whole idea of of uh, panentheism, everything, everything in God and God in everything, not separate from. So it wasn't so much that God created us in that God is the actual creation that is here. Yeah, almost like I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, and, I, and I think there's it's compelling and, and interesting for me to consider and explore, uh, although and I tend right. to lean towards no, more. I'm not, I, I'm not ready to say I that. I tend, so, so what you're saying is... Okay. Go ahead, Tina. But I was just going to say, so what you're saying is instead of seeing God as like a person that's doing something, you see him as the action itself. Bingo. So so my que- my my issue with Brian's question, who is God, I would never say who is God. For me, God is not the who, God is the what. Who implies... Oh, personality element, you know. There is no spoon. I mean, I just mind blown here. Oh Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus points for the Matrix reference. Uh, God, mm-hmm. God is not the the who standing uh, apart. God, God is the what? God is the creation. God is the love. You know that idea of not that God loves us, but God is the love. So in in us experiencing love, us being compassionate, us demonstrating love, showing love, being love, that itself is the divine, as opposed to uh, a theistic entity loving us and showering love down upon us. That is the love itself. Uh, Love itself. It is the creation itself. So the what, as opposed to who. Again, Again, compelling, but I, you know, I, I, mm, I, I need to chew on that one a little. But I tend to lean toward the classic Christian interpretation that God is both transcendent, that is wholly independent of, and removed from the material universe, but also imminent, that is involved and ever present and able to be experienced in the world. But He is not conflated with the world. You know what I mean? We can go with that too. Brian, Brian, but no, I mean, it, I, I, you know, uh, would it rock your foundation to, to, I mean, if you actually let go of that and believed what Ogan is saying right now, would that kind of rock your foundation? Be careful. Well, I, I don't ground here. Are we live? Hot mic. Is this on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would rock my foundation. I think, I think, um, I would just need to reframe things, but I think I've been in a process of reframing. And so that view makes a lot more sense to me today than it would have five or 10 years ago. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's just that there's so much scripture that in which God has personhood and personality and desire and will that to go to a place where God has no desires, no will, no personality uh, that that takes some oh, sorting through and some gotta, thinking about, and I, I tend to I tend to lean toward the biblical, sure, model. But so. but here's my thing with that. Here's my thing with that. And before I do that, I will I will share a, a post from listener watcher uh, uh, Dave Wasson on uh, Twitter. He says uh, every relationship has grace in its in its mix. Um, thank you for sharing that. That is that is true. There's there is that element of grace, which is a whole different discussion. We should talk about that next week. 
grace because that's also open to a whole lot of uh, interpretation as well. Um, yeah, I'd love to do that. So, so my, um, not I wouldn't. I'll back up and say this is the beautiful thing about this. We can we can each hold our own. Um, ideas, views, positions, and realize that all of us are partly right and all of us are partly wrong. Because anytime we're talking about this, we're we're trying to define something that's beyond defining. So, you know, this is this is the struggle, or rather, the the evolution that we all go through. So, um, to go back to what you said about about the biblical idea of that is. Um, we can't separate, or I'll speak for myself, I can never separate the Bible from the context of when and who created it and who wrote it. So, sure. yeah, you know, we have we have writers of a certain time, a certain understanding, a certain intellect, a certain cultural context that write of their understanding of God, which is, again, not saying we can't uphold that for our own or adopt that for ourselves. And at the same time, it's like, you know, now that we know more about ourselves and about the universe, I think, um, shouldn't our ideas about God evolve as well? We've evolved. Why not Why not let our understanding about God evolve as well? And I think that's what we're all evolving to. Not, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to call myself a process theologian here, but as we are evolving, I don't think so much is God evolving as our understanding – or relationship with um, what we define as God evolved as well. So rather than just stick into the I thou, the classic I thou relationship, you know, kind of turn it into a, a we. Make sense? I seem to have stumped the Wow. Back. So you want to uh, take Martin Boob? What were you saying, Brian? I think we got a delay going on here today. What are you saying, Brian? I want to take who? Did we lose Brian? I think we might have lost lost him. him. Yeah. Uh, He froze up. All right. There we go. See? You hear me? It sounds getting a little choppy here. That's the universe that I was right. Silenced Brian. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Ogan, I was just going to give you props for everything you just said, and you just have to ruin it. Uh, yeah. you, you know I kid. This is my role I play on the show. You know I kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> was just kind of shouting quietly in my ear. <laughs> Listen to Ogan. There you go. Listen to Ogan. <sighs> so when did... But when did I, I hear what you're saying. So, okay. so what I said maybe when my sound went out was that you're taking Martin Buber's I Thou and you're conflating it to a, to a we or to an ultimate unity. Well, right, connecting, bridging, bridging that I thou gap, and saying that instead of two I thou, it is, it is we. Within the we is also an I thou, you know. But but it's but but it's a it's a it's more of a oneness thing. Me and God, God and me. More more we than thee. Brian, you had a bunch of um, bunch of descriptions from a whole bunch of different religions about this. Um, what, how many of them actually buy into that God is we thing? You know what I mean? Like how many of them buy into that God is inside of us? We are all one kind of mentality. I think not, I think not many do. Many, many 
Um, I mean, even Christianity, I think, I think the vast majority of uh, religions has more of that I doubt, I thou idea um, of, of God. There's that, that we are, you know, even if we are within all that God is, there's still kind of this separateness. And I think even unity has that to some extent. We speak of the individuality, individualized expression of God that we are. So it's, 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 it's very paradoxical, if you will. But I think, I think even when we look at mainstream, let's just, I mean, I'll talk about what I know. When we look at mainstream uh, Christian movements or denominations, I think many of them are more trending towards this idea of less separateness mm-hmm. and more unity in love. So you, you think, so you think religion is evolving then? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it is. I I think it is. Um, but some 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 aren't. Some it depends on it depends on where you go. Some some folks have, you know, um, held to uh, the original idea that whatever their context says God is, and they've held to that. Um, right. And but, other... but have they? I mean, we can say that all we want, but really, have they? I mean, for through all the interpretations the languages, is there any religion that really has held 100% to its original message intent? Well, I don't think we can say that because uh, every generation goes through a certain amount of reappropriation. Um, so, you know, we have creeds and, and doctrines and certainly holy scriptures that have come down through the generations that we can trace back, you know, with a fair degree of certainty that, you know, these things, uh, we can read them as they wrote them, but we don't always know how they interpreted or applied or lived into those things. And I think there's always a certain amount of change that happens along the way. And so certainly the Christianity of, um, you know, a Baptist church today is not the Christianity of a Baptist church 100 or 200 years ago, um, well, that- even in our own country, let alone other, you know, other that places. Depends, that depends on which strain of Baptist you're talking about, because they're quite a lot. <laughs> and some of them yeah, do. Of course, them do. of course. Of course. And certain strands resist change more than others. And so, you know, a worship service um, this coming Sunday will look a lot like it did 50 years ago. But many others have gone through a lot of change, even in a generation or less. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I personally, I think we should always be reappropriating we should always be looking again uh, at the traditions we've been given and we should mine them for dig in for what's of value and what's of um, enduring um, quality and, and life-giving and, and truth and then we should uh, be willing to you know tweak or shift as needed and as we learn more as Ogan said as we learn more about ourselves as we learn more about the, the Bible and when it was written, who it was written by and who it was written to. And I think we ought to be open to, uh, to some level of change. Absolutely. So, Go ahead, Tina. So here's a question. So, you know, you see um, over the thousands of years, you've seen all these religions like break off. And um, I mean, there's just so many different forms of Christianity, you know, like there's so many little differences, but from what you were saying, Ogan about, 
they're all kind of shifting back to this idea that we are all one and we should accept everybody. Do you see them coming back together to maybe there's less religions with less rules? No, nah, that'll never happen. <laughs> I love when you say it'll never happen. <laughs> Just want to challenge that's, that's, that's... you. <laughs> because In here's the, uh... why. Here's why, because because we're always evolving. So even those of us who spun off, you know, even even within us, there's going to be an evolution of understanding and thought and there'll be other spinoffs. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think I think that's a great thing. That's what helps move us forward as as a people. I mean, I mean, take it out of the religious context when you think about the age of enlightenment, you know, and people people develop this, you know, started thinking about the ideas of wait a minute, we're human beings that have intrinsic worth. And the only reason that we have intrinsic worth is because we're human being as opposed to, you know, you you should be a slave and you shouldn't be a slave and your worth needs to be proven. I mean, what a revolutionary idea at the time. Now it's like, yeah, you're a human being, you have worth. You know, so so there's always going to be uh, a, a moving forward of thinking and energy and consciousness. Um, so, no, I don't think there's ever going to be a, a, a reuniting of all these different spinoffs of Christianity. I mean, Christianity was never a single movement from its inception way back in the, you know, the tens. So how different are we then from Abraham's day where everybody had their own personal God? You say we're moving forward, but are we really? We are in the way we understand God, I think. So for so for many of us, God is no longer this like like fickle, uh, you know, violent um, um, deity who will hold the sun in the sky so you could slaughter some more of you know people who are not part of your tribe. That's not going to happen because you know we've reached an age of understanding where we realize God's not holding the sun in the sky. And the sun's, you know, not the center of the universe or the earth's not the center of the universe. So how we see and think about God has changed. So, yeah, we're going to still have different beliefs, but I don't, you know, I don't think there isn't anyone who hasn't caught on to the idea of science and doesn't, you know. <laughs> they're out there. Yeah, the I was going to well, say. <laughs> you know what I mean. But no, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, we can read any number, right, of of passages from the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament about God acting in violent ways. And it is rare the person who is a Bi even a Bible-believing Christian will say, yeah, I think God, you know, tomorrow might command me to go um, to the neighboring town and slaughter everyone. No one thinks God is going to ask us to do that today. And no one even thinks that that's who God is. Well, you know, with the exception of the people who still think God are, you know, asking them to pick snakes up, we do have the snake handlers. Okay, there are the snake. Yeah, <laughs> got to have room for the snake handlers. Yeah, you you can't make this all encompassing. I'm telling you. <laughs> no, you can't. And there was in the okay. news. I heard it was a hoax, but there was in the news about the guy who I, where, I forget where it was it Australia or somewhere who walked into a cage with a lion and said God was telling him to do it and and all that kind of stuff. And apparently, it might have been wow. a hoax, but he got part of his like butt bitten off by the lion. <laughs> It was like a whole thing. I was like, this people like this are giving religion a bad name. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think I left a little room. I think I said there are very few who would believe that. Or maybe okay. I said nobody. I probably said nobody. I think you uh, said nobody. I'll read back and I'll, I'll make sure to point it out if you're wrong. <laughs> what I meant was very few. <laughs> I wonder no, if any of our listeners want to uh, identify that way, that they think God will um, instruct them to... Uh, 
go to the neighboring town. Although, you know, we should say that um, this rhetoric of God has is instructing us to go root out the evil, that kind of language was employed by politicians of this country back in 2003 and earlier in the run-up to the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were using that exact kind of language, that God is, mm-hmm. we are God's chosen city on a hill, and we are to root out the forces of darkness in the world. But to me, if you're, if you're saying we're going to do that by violence, then I'm sorry, we're not talking about the same God. See, that's we're not, Brian, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of people out there that are still saying stuff like that. There are a lot. Yeah, it's it might be more than a few. Separation of church and state is really a myth. Let's just call it what it is. It's it's a myth. Because God told every one of these candidates to run. Oh man, wasn't there something about Ted Cruz's dad said that not God Bernie. told him that God, God did not tell Bernie to run. <laughs> <laughs> he just listened to his wife, I think. Exactly. <laughs> is that you, God? No, it's just Jane. No. <laughs> Maybe all the others, but Bernie's pretty clear God didn't tell him. <laughs> And so we, we've, uh, we've gotten into this, um, you know, how are we understanding who God is? And a lot of us will go back to the Bible for figuring that out. And uh, so we have a quote here from uh, Brian McLaren who says that most people read the Bible like a legal constitution. In other words, an annotated code of sort of a bunch of rules or laws, universal eternally binding law. But he says we'd be better served to read it as a community library a portable collection of poems, prophecies, histories, fables, parables, letters, sage sayings, quarrels, and so on. And uh, I'm wondering what your sense is about that contrast and if you like one of those approaches better than the other and why. I am totally down with treating it like it's a library and reading it as poetry and fable, and I'm totally down with it. Ditto. Absolutely. I mean, because even, yeah. even, the, even the letter of the law needs to be interpreted, right? That's right. Yep. Um, this is, so this is um, the thing that I think drew me to unity most of all. Um, when I was in college and I went through my uh, spiritual crisis and was for a while done with church, and, and, and you got to understand how far I came. I, I was the kid on campus with the, you know, like the Jesus t-shirts. I was, I was the kid on campus walking around with the, you know, 10 reasons God is like Coca-Cola and, and pictures of bleeding, suffering Jesus on the cross on my t-shirt. I was, I was that guy. I was, I was a walking um, evangelist for, for God. So, so that's where I was. And I had spiritual crisis and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done with church. This is all made up nonsense fallacy. Um, the th- and, and part of it was not being able to reconcile a strict uh, literal adherence to the Bible when I found really discovered, you know, the history of the Bible, who wrote it, who didn't write it, who we thought wrote it, who That's really right. didn't write it, all that, you know, that all that whole mess of stuff. It really uh, did a number on me. But the great thing I love about, about unity is its uh, metaphysical approach to interpreting the Bible, as in every person, character, story, event in the Bible is a reflection of part of our own spiritual transformation on our own spiritual journey. Um, 
So, so we don't, we don't have to worry about, did it happen this way or didn't it? Should we believe it happened or not? Did Jesus really walk in water? That doesn't matter. You know, did he really what from the dead, the Red Sea really part? <laughs> what do you mean? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's a, hist- if it was a factual historical event or not, you can still, you can still draw the inspiration, the wisdom, and and the, the use it as a catalyst for spiritual transformation when when you realize or or interpret it as part of your own your own spiritual spiritual journey. So yeah, that's 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 why I'm sticking with the unity. Now Jesus didn't walk on water; he just found a really like shallow place with a sandbank, and you know, the angle of the sun made it look like. You know, there was a whole, it was a whole thing. It was a perfect theatrically staged moment. I know we're going to get. Wow. No, Jesus was a con artist. Um, He was, he, he was not a con artist. He was not a con artist. He understood. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And his writers also knew the power of, of a good story. Never let the facts get in the way of a good story. I always, I always. Whoa. Wow. (laughs) Man. We're going to get some calls from uh, some Bible readers that are just not yes. pleased. Yes, we are. I may, I may be costing us listeners. I apologize. But, but Brian, I mean, yeah. come on. You, you have to admit there's some truth there. I mean, everybody has their own story. You can have five people that go through the exact same thing. And even if they all feel like they're sticking to the facts, every single one of them is going to have a different spin. It's no different than the, the Gospels. I mean— they all have different takes on, on things that happen, and some of them contradict each other. Absolutely. And to me, uh, that, that's part of uh, the depth and the texture of, of Scripture is that it is this community library written by different people in different times and places with different agendas and different um, life circumstances that are all coming into play in the things that they write, whether it's a poem or a history or a parable or a gospel. And I think it's great that we have multiple perspectives on how people are experiencing um, the presence of God or the inbreaking of the divine in their lives, or even the physical historical person of Jesus, right? We have, as you said, not only the four gospel accounts in the usual Bibles, we have many other gospels that didn't quite make it in. And I think uh, each of those is instructive for how was the Jesus event impacting these different communities and how are they interpreting it and and they didn't all agree they didn't all see eye to eye and we're about to come up on the ultimate jesus event that is central to the christian story and that's the resurrection fact fact exactly fact or fiction just gonna put that out wow that's a little teaser because uh, i think we're gonna have to have an easter show uh, where we have chocolate eggs and we talk resurrection we, Sweet. We, I'm going to have Baileys with my chocolate eggs. That's all I'm saying. They're, they're, ooh, that sounds nice. You can't have beer oh, yeah, with we chocolate eggs. We could have had some Guinness because what are we, two um, days away from? I'm sorry. You could have beer with anything. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, beer and eggs is great. You live in the high life if you're having beer with eggs. Well, let's not get carried away. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Well, if Hogan says Jesus didn't walk on water, I can't wait to hear what he's going to say about the resurrection. I know, right? I, I think you know what I'm going to say about the resurrection. <laughs> I, got, I got a good idea, but let's let's hold it out though. We need a teaser for our listeners. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week because yeah, it's this Sunday's Palm Sunday, so we got to talk about it next week. Yeah, next week's okay. the Easter show. The, the, Is it this Sunday? Is the Palm Sunday? This Sunday's a Palm Sunday. Yeah, man, you're a minister. You should know. I know, that. Brian. What's up? 
<laughs> well, I know, I do know it. I do know it. Uh, but I'm not in a congregation at the moment, so I'm not, I'm not oh, preaching well, through you, the at the moment. You this bitter drink out just now. I'm just, you're I'm just, just digging me... this hole, Brian. You're just keep going. <laughs> but my question is, don't we want to talk about Palm Sunday next Tuesday? Or will it be too late? We can talk about both. You don't, you don't want to talk about Easter after Easter because it, it happened. Well, you know, you're right. We'll make it a holy week. Holy, holy week. week all in one day. All in, all in one. There you go. Maybe we should holy have a week show or maybe we'll just drop the week and say holy show. The holy show. <laughs> I like that. Holy show. Holy show. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Hey, we should have an extended show next week. There's a lot to cover. You know, we should we should maybe go Ooh, next, we next should, Oh man, we should think about week. at least going an hour and a half next week because yeah. we got a lot of ground to cover. We we, we might do. be a two beer show. There you go. Wait, they're not all two. And then on, and then on the third beer, <laughs> he rose. Brian, he rose from his seat up. and he fell over. <laughs> on that. On that are, we, are we still alive? <laughs> We're still alive. <laughs> All right. I think wow. I think I think we may add a wrap up on that note. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And a, a big thank you to all of our listeners, those who tuned in with us live tonight and those who are listening to the podcast later. Please connect and help spread the word on social media. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can listen anytime at soundcloud.com slash pub theology live. And you can find a pub theology near you uh, at pub theology. And once again, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Visit craftbeerseller.com for a location near you and keep listening all month for a chance to win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar. And we are out.